All right, so we're live. Uh, Kevin here, got Sun on the other line. And yeah, man, uh, just like what I mentioned, appreciate you hopping on the call here. Uh, one of our first episodes, so uh, you got a lot of share there. Um, and just for the <laughs> people to, the people listening, Sun Yi, uh, entrepreneur, great storyteller. He's done uh, a TED Talk as well, which is a big goal for a lot of people. But yeah, Sun, um, if you don't mind, you can just introduce yourself for, for the people listening. Yeah, <clears throat> thanks for having me, Kevin. So my name is Sun. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a marketer. I have an agency in New York City called Night Owls. And in my agency, what I mainly do is we help personal brands build their website, kind of do their branding, do their storytelling. And about a year, year and a half ago, I started my own community called Night Owl Nation. And in, in that community, I teach storytelling, and I also mentor uh, other entrepreneurs as well. That's awesome, man. Yeah, and and just like what I mentioned before, you did a TED Talk, and one of one of the coolest things about that TED Talk was, you know, your storytelling there, and just how you were able to put a lesson into that storytelling too. And one of the concepts I found really interesting was um, making people think a different way to plant a seed in their mind. So. Could you tell me a little bit about that and and why that works? Yeah, so how I originally started that is, you know, when I worked in a company and when we go into a meeting and usually at the end of the meeting, they'll ask like any questions and nobody really asks questions. And even though I had a question, I kind of, I didn't want to look stupid, so I didn't ask any questions. But when I started my own company, I noticed the same thing happening where like when I when I say, hey, any questions? Nobody actually says anything. But then I, later on, I would realize that they did have questions, but for the same reason, they didn't want to ask because they didn't want to look stupid. So what I ended up doing is I would explain something and I would always give an example of it. And what ended up happening is after doing this for a while, I realized that there's there's what we call conventional truth and there's a universal truth. And conventional truth is something that we were taught by teachers, our parents, society. A good example is um, uh, chasing money is not going to make you happy. That's what I call a conventional truth. So we all just believe that, okay, chasing money is not going to make me happy, so I'm going to just go for what I'm passionate about. And then the second thing is, when I started my agency and I started like how we actually started making money and our bank account grew and then like depending on what decision I make, like we'll make more money and things like that. That felt like I felt like, oh, actually, this is kind of fun. Making money is fun. <laughs> right. And I try to think about it. Where else have I felt that? And it was when I was playing Monopoly, like when you play Monopoly and you have a house, you upgrade to a building and you own the street and people, you, you collect rent. I'm like, that's kind of fun, right? And that's kind of what it felt like, right? So that's what I call the universal truth. So the conventional truth is chasing money is not going to make you happy. But universal truth is actually the act of chasing money can be happy, just like playing Monopoly, right? So when I say the universal truth and the conventional truth together, Something goes off in people's brain because like, oh, I always thought chasing money is not supposed to be fun, but it actually can be fun. I, and I know because I like playing Monopoly. 
And that's when people go, I never thought of it that way. And that's kind of like the basis of what I talked about in the TED Talk, um, Myth Truth Sandwich. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I mean, even just hearing you say that story made me kind of shift my mind in thinking, you know, like money can be fun. Uh, and, and you, th- I, I think of, you know, growing up and playing Monopoly with my brother and sister and just thinking like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> yeah. So what I did there is I could have just said, hey, you know, making money is fun. Trust me, bro. But you're going to be like, no, I don't trust you, right? But what I did was I planted a seed inside your head by giving you something you already agree with, which is Monopoly is fun, right? And therefore, instead of me trying to change your mind, now I'm making you think like, huh, yeah, that's kind of true. Like, and that's, this is actually how most jokes are written. Like if you look at comedians, this is what they do. <laughs> yeah, they always kind of give their own perspective, and they, at the end of it, you, yeah. you think, you know, I, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's uh, especially since you're in the industry of marketing and sales, that's that's a super good uh, tactic or strategy in in sales as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I close pretty much hundred percent of the sales. <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you mean, like, just when, like, like if you walk? I mean, we have some qualifiers up front to say say if they have a budget and things like that. But once they come into our office, like, it's like. We're an agency that focuses on personal brands. And one of the main things people come to us is to build our website. And this is the first thing I say. In the first 10 minutes, I'll say, um, you probably like checked around all these other agencies that do like corporate brands, right? And here's what I notice. If you go on Amazon.com, if you go to Apple.com, any company, corporate websites, how often do you all click on the About Us page. Almost nobody clicks on the About Us page in a company website. But me, from working with you know dozens of personal brands, I know for a fact that About Me, the About page on the personal website is the second most visited web page on the website. So I, I say that, and I say, because I've been in this industry for 20 years, I know in most companies when, we, when they build websites, what they do is, they save the about page for the end because it's the most, it's the least important page. So what they do is, oh, by the way, we need to do about page. So it's like, okay, let's let's put something into ChatGPT and say something like Apple was founded in 1970, like that corporate bio, and let's put it together and just put it up because nobody reads about page anyway, right? And that's what you're gonna get when you go to most companies. In our agency, we focus on personal brands, so I know every little detail about personal brands. What what makes personal brands different? I know what your open rate should be like. I know how your email should be sent like. I know what your funnel should look like. I know what, what pages people want, are looking for on personal personal brand websites. And then when I explain all of this, they're like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Because I just pointed out a fact that they know, but they just didn't know that they knew. So once I say that, it's almost like, from that point on, people are like, uh, there's no point even for me to look at any other agency because I wonder what else he knows. Right. Uh, that's what they're thinking. No, yeah. that's cool. And I, lo- I love how you talk about personal branding. And there's there's kind of the other side of the coin, too, where there's you know, like hard, people doing really hard marketing. You see you know, like the headline that, that they force you to watch that video. 
uh want to get your thoughts on that i mean like that's would you say that's kind of the opposite of what personal branding is and how does how do they kind of work together so i would consider all of that marketing not really branding branding is like you're supposed to earn people's trust right get them to believe you marketing is that you're trying to convert them to sales so a lot of times what happens is some marketing tactics might actually hurt your brand in the long run so you need to find the balance but at the end of the day if you don't have sales there's no brand so you need to find a balance of like how much do i want to focus on the short-term immediate sales and what am i not willing to do to ruin my name in the long run right so one big mistake that I see a lot of people make is, like you said, they do the whole the pop up, the join my free webinar, and then trying to upsell them and all kind of a little bit of manipulative marketing tactics. Those I'm I'm not gonna say they don't work. Hundred percent guaranteed they work because I've seen them work. It converts. It makes money. But if you push that too far, you're losing trust with your audience. So you want to try to find a good balance between okay, what should I do? in terms of the mar- the marketing tactics. And which one, even though I know it's going to work, should I refrain from using, you know? Right. And, and you said trust there. It seemed like you emphasized that quite a bit for personal branding. Would you say that's the main goal with personal branding? Well, like, What does personal branding look like? Or is it something that you are supposed to make them feel a certain way? Yeah. So trust is definitely a big part of it. And how you earn trust, I guess, is what what matters, right? But I would say personal brand, first and foremost, is your personality. So, for example, let's say you just broke up with your girlfriend, right? And I'm sure you have friend that, let's say you just broke up with your girlfriend, you feel like shit, and you just want to talk to a friend that's just going to be like, don't worry about her, man. Like, you'll find someone better. You deserve more. You're like... Every like they they just you just want them to kind of nurture you and like make you feel better, right? But let's say you just broke up with a girlfriend, and this is like the fifth girlfriend in a row that that just broke up with you, and you're like, "What's wrong?" I actually want the answer. What am I doing wrong? Then you're gonna go to that friend who's gonna tell you the truth. He's not gonna play softball. He's not gonna try to nurture you. He's gonna be like, "Dude, the reason why you keep they keep bringing up with you is because X Y Z," and he's gonna give you the truth, right? So I'm that person. I'm the person that's going to give it to you straight. I don't care if it hurts your feeling. That's my personality, and that's how I am with my friends. So my friends, if they want to get nurtured, they don't come to me. But if they want the truth, then they'll come to me. My wife, on the other hand, she's very nurturing. So if they go to her, they're going to sit and be like, oh, you're going to find someone much better. You don't, she doesn't deserve you, and she's going to do all that. And that's her personal brand. Because that's her personality, right? So my audience are the ones who wants to hear the truth. So depending on your personality, the kind of people you attract in real life is who you're going to attract online too as well. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And, and another, <laughs> another thing I found really interesting too was just your way of telling stories. And one thing that stood out was that you said sometimes when I, I guess this is where you got this from when you're working with your clients, a lot of them put too much fluff into it mm. in their story. So you, is there 
I'm right in thinking that you, most of the time when you're working with clients, you're actually like cutting a lot of their stories or, or sorry, um, pieces of their story. Yeah, I guess a couple of things like people would like to kind of drag on and on and on about their whole life story. <laughs> so oh, I was born here and I went to this school, blah, 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 blah. But a story is kind of like this. Um, like if you watch Beauty and the Beast, right? The movie starts when Belle is already a grown woman. And it's right before that whole thing happens where her dad gets adopted. Uh, you know, her dad gets captured by the Beast, right? All the way to the moment where the Beast turns into a prince. So that's it's a sli- tiny slice of her entire life, right? We don't know what happened. Maybe they break up afterwards. Who knows what happened afterwards? And who knows what happened before? It's just that one slice is the story. And the reason why is because... And we have multiple stories in our lives like that. So we have slices of our lives where there's one slice that may kind of... Who I am as an entrepreneur, my my business philosophy or something like that. So if that's the lesson that I'm trying to teach then I'm going to go to that slice. To give you an example, one thing that I'm always saying is about authenticity, how authentic you have to be, like honesty and things like that. And that's one of the lessons that I teach. And when I teach that lesson, I always use this example of when I was young, I was very fake. Like my boss would like make fun of me. Like my my boss would make like these Asian jokes and I'm like, ha, 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 ha. I'll just like pretend to laugh at his jokes, even though it wasn't funny. And then like, same thing. Like I would try to impress girls, trying to buy them drinks, even though I, I can't afford it or something like that. And if somebody makes fun of my my favorite movie, like I'll pretend to make fun of it too, just so that I can fit in. So I was very fake. And when I started my company, I started kind of lying to my clients. I would be like, you know, even though we're their project is so delayed, I'll be like, "Oh, your project's right on schedule." It's um, I can't show you right now because um, our server is down right now, and you know, I'll give some excuse. But one day, one of the clients asked me, "Like, okay, it's okay if it's not done. Can you just show me what you have now?" And I was like, "Can you just share your screen and show me what you have now?" And I was like, "Oh fuck, I didn't even start yet." <laughs> so I had to tell him the truth. I was like, "To be honest, like." We're having some cash flow issues, so we had to take on some more projects to pay for our expenses, and that's why your project is delayed. And I'm so sorry. I understand if you want to fire us or something like that. And he takes a pause and he's like, "I'm son, I'm not going to fire you. And he goes, I actually want to thank you for telling me the truth because now I know I can trust you. And he gave us like a $5,000 bonus just to keep our doors open. And that was kind of an aha moment for me where I was like, actually, we we try to, here's another myth truth sandwich. In business, we say, oh, don't show your hand, like poker, right? Don't show your hand, like you don't, don't show them what you got, right? But what I actually realized is that by being very transparent, you can earn their trust and that's what you need. That's the kind of business relationship you need in order to succeed. That client stayed with us for another 10 years after that. So there's a, there's a lesson I taught about authenticity using a specific time in my life. 
and I cut everything out. <laughs> right? I didn't talk about where I went to school. I didn't talk about anything else in my business. I didn't talk about anything else. I just stuck to the, the facts that needs to be told in order to support that lesson. Right. I love that. And, and that was actually, I'm glad you told that story because that was another story I was curious about with your, with your client and being totally honest there. And, and it's interesting just because I think people find it very refreshing when people are just completely honest because uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, not, that's not very common these days. Yeah. It's not easy. I'll tell you, it's not like we've lost projects like that too, because somebody else would lie and like, you know, kind of, name drop or whatever it is but we didn't want to do that so we've actually lost projects like that too but it gets easier over time i remember one time i remember one time i was in a meeting with this like huge investment bank and some of the executives were there and this one executive was like they sent us like the 78 page deck before the meeting which i didn't even read at all and in the middle of the meeting, I asked him a question. And he's like, son, didn't you read the deck? And I, I said, no, it was 78 pages. <laughs> and then the whole room was quiet for like a few seconds. And then he just busted out, started laughing. <laughs> and then everybody else started laughing. And it just broke the ice immediately. And he actually appreciated that I, I, I was honest with them, you know. Yeah, and it's not just, I mean, for, I'm sure he appreciated that, but I think it's also in like a self-interest sort of way. It takes less energy to just be honest as well, because if you're kind of starting a relationship with a lie and not being honest, you have to like remember that you, you said that and just kind of go from that story. Yeah, yeah. Lie builds on, like lie builds on top of each other. So it's a huge weight off your chest when you don't have to make up stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean... Let's kind of fast forward right now. Uh, you, you got Night Owl, your community. And uh, from what I understand, you, you give your community a lot of activities to kind of practice their storytelling, which is your mission. Uh, I'm sure you see like hundreds of stories every week. What would you say? I mean, you've probably answered like what a good story is, but what would you say are two or three most, com the most common mistakes in storytelling that people do either in person or even just uh, written form. Yeah, the, so what we just talked about, how when I say tell me your story, usually people just give you their autobiography, which is not really a story. And the second thing is, like, yeah, people, it's hard for them to be vulnerable. So here's, I'll give you an example. There was a story I read on Twitter um, a couple months ago where this person said, oh, I... When I was growing up, I was weird. I was weird. I wasn't like other kids, so nobody wanted to hang out with me. But I didn't care. And, you know, but eventually I started finding other weird kids that nobody wanted to hang out with. And we formed our own tribe. So what's the lesson? Form your own tribe, right? So on the surface, that looks like a story, right? It's like, oh, yeah, that's the hero's journey. Oh, in the beginning, nobody wanted to hang out with her. And then now, like, she formed her own tribe and blah, blah, blah. But... The key word there is, I didn't care. Because the truth is, everyone cares. <laughs> Whenever somebody says, I don't care what other people think of me, that person thinks more, care more about what other people think of them. And what they want other people to think is that they don't care. Because <laughs> as a human, we all chase social validation. 
Now, a better way to tell that story would have been like this. When I was growing up, I was weird, so nobody wanted to hang out with me. So I did everything to fit in. I dressed like them. I talked like them. I even made fun of my own sister because I, they, they were making fun of her. And I feel like I was betraying myself. But it was, too, it was so hard. It was so exhausting that you know I, I had to stop doing that. So they stopped hanging out with me. But eventually, I found other kids that were like like me, and we ended up becoming our own tribe. So you know, you don't. Maybe the lesson is something like, don't betray yourself. To, you know, just to have friends or something like that, right? But you see, that story is a lot more vulnerable, because what I'm doing is, I'm talking about what I did wrong, and how I fixed it, and that's a true hero's journey. I'm going from a victim and taking responsibility and going to a hero, right? But when you say, I didn't care, I'm, I'm so cool, I don't care about any of the other mean girls or whatever, then you just sound like a victim who became a villain. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? So there's like a, if you hear a story, you want to pay attention for that. Is this, play, is this person going from a victim to a villain? Or are they going from a victim to a hero? Awesome. No, th- thanks for sharing that, uh, son, and just kind of wrapping up here. <laughs> uh, yeah, short, and 20 minutes there. But yeah, I appreciate your time, as always. And I think we, we actually went over quite a bit uh, in the time that we had here. And I had a whole bunch of other questions I wanted to ask you. But for the people listening... Oh, I, uh, I, if you want to ask questions, questions I, I can quickly answer them. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I mean if, you, if you don't mind. If you don't mind, yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see. Um, I'll try to, I'll try to make them shorter. No, no, I, no. I tend to talk a lot. No, I love it. Man. <laughs> like, uh, I'm kind of working, uh, kind of playing around and seeing like what what what's kind of the like best format here. But like I'm I'm just liking this right mm-hmm. now. It sounds like very conversational. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, like one one of the questions I had there was just as you're kind of telling these stories in, in your branding, like, do you, do you start with a lesson first or do you like, what, what, where do you think of first? Yeah. Good, great question. So people, one of the questions that people ask me is like, son, you tell this, when you tell the same story over and over, do you ever feel like inauthentic? Like, how do you tell it like the first time every time? Right. The reason why I brought that up is because, all the stories that I tell, I've already kind of reflected and written ahead. So usually for me, what happens is once in a while, I just have to sit and I just have to have these reflection moments where I look at the past week or past month or whatever it is and try to see what life lesson I learned. So, and I call these five second moments. So, the moment when that client said, son, I'm not going to fire you, like that, that conversation, that was one of those five-second moments where I reflected. I'm like, oh, my gosh. There was this one time when one of our employees quit, and he said to me, son, I realize you're never going to let me make decisions. And that, that was like a five-second moment for me because that's when I realized I became this like really bossy, like, <laughs> you know, like not open-minded boss, right? Like it's my way or the highway type of boss. But I didn't realize I was that. And at the time when he told me that, I was triggered. I'm like, what? I was defending myself. But then you fast forward like a few months and you look back 
And it's kind of like, oh, maybe I think he was right. I think I did become this uh, kind of authoritarian boss, right? So a lot of times what I have to do is I have to go back in my past and dig up these moments and just think about it. And then here's one of the exercises we do at Night Owl Nation. So one of them is going, going back in your life. We break up your life into chunks, like elementary school, high school, college days, like your first job, you know, and then try to figure out some five second moments in, in those parts of your life. And then one of the exercises we do is put yourself in the other person's shoes. So, you know, when, when my employee told me that, I, I try to put myself in his shoes. When my client told me that, I try to put myself in their shoes. And when you do that, it kind of makes you realize your own flaws and, and what you're doing wrong and what lesson I can take away from it and things like that. So a lot of times I go back, I reflect, and I try to figure out what lesson did I learn from there. So the answer is, no, I don't work from the lesson backwards. I start from the thing that happened, and then I try to figure out what lesson I learned from there. And we all have many, many, many stories like that, if you actually go back in your life and look at it. No, for sure. It's, it's, yeah. Sometimes it's just a matter of digging through it, digging into it as well. Uh, and sometimes mm-hmm. we can probably just like, overlook it. But speaking of which, uh, five-second story, uh, you went to South Torrance High School. Like, what's a five-second story there? In my high school, <laughs> um, well, here's here's one. I I guess I've never really told any stories from my high school days, but here's one. So when I was in high, that was in the nineties. One of the things that I noticed is all the kids, all the cool kids, leave their backpacks in the locker, and they just take out one book and they just carry the book to class. And I noticed all the geeks still wear their book back, uh, backpacks to class, right? So I just noticed that, and then I I used to put my backpack in the locker and take the book out because I wanted it to be cool, right? Looking back and reflecting on those moments, what I realized is I spent my entire high school very being very observant on what the cool kids are doing, what they're wearing, and just looking at all those hints and trying to imitate them, right? Because I I was like one of three Asian kids in my high school at that time. Now there's like a lot of Asians in Torrance. But. So being Asian and not fitting in made me really aware of how other people are acting because I'm like, they're normal. I'm not normal. So in order for me to become normal, I have to try to act like them, right? So I can kind of see how where my inauthenticity, how fake I was, was being built at that time. But also, I noticed how observant I was because of that. And I think that's one of the reasons why I became so good in storytelling. Because I'm always observing how other people are acting. And that's how I'm able to come up with a lot of like these universal truths. Like, like... I know how people tend to act, you know, around the crowd. I know how they act when we're in a, for example, here's another five second moment. Um, whenever we had these high school dances, I was always one, the one on the 
out, outside walls, like t- just not dancing and just kind of like look, lurking or something like that. And that's a good analogy for how people make content or how they run business. Because a lot of I know a lot of entrepreneurs who says, "Oh, I have a side hustle, or I'm I'm doing I'm working on this," but all they're really doing is lurking. They're not. Oh, I want to I want to post content, but maybe they might post one and then they just kind of like hesitate. There's no difference be- between doing that and kind of like tiptoeing around business or tiptoeing around content creation, and you being in the dance floor, kind of. Tipto- scared to ask some girl to dance with you so you're just like tiptoeing around and you know being playing safe it th- those two are very good analogies so that's another thing i remember i love how you're <laughs> you're able to tell these stories and and i think some people have the conception that a story you have to you know be like shakespeare and use like these big words <laughs> and, and the way that you tell stories it's, it's with very simple language that anybody can do and of course, it takes yeah. some practice, but it makes it uh, seem like more palpable to be able to do. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because that's another one of those biggest mistakes that our new members, when they come in, they try to tell this Shakespearean, very poetic story. And I'm like, one of the things that now all of our members know that. So they'll call them out. They'll be like, don't write poetry, man. Just <laughs> tell me what happened. <laughs> because when you write these poetries, when you say something like, I felt like a caterpillar in a cocoon that opened up into a butterfly and I felt free for the first time. Like, that doesn't mean shit. Because <laughs> like, most people are not going to relate to that, right? Like, They're going to be like, what does that mean? Give me an example of how you felt free. What, what's something that actually happened? And that's why I keep going back to the five-second moment. I don't want to hear some poetic synopsis or poetic description of your story. I want to hear the actual story, what happened, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, and people tend to not read that too because you kind of lose their attention. And it makes me remember yeah. like a meme that I read somewhere where you know, like on Twitter, somebody will post something super long and somebody will post like, oh, yeah, that's way too long, but sorry that happened, or I'm glad that happened for you. <laughs> like, yeah, sorry that happened to you, bro, or glad, or happy for you, man. Um, yeah, what, nobody reads those. Yeah, what, what's your idea on like storytelling? Where do you feel like it's better to start from, like the the origin of a story, or do you like to kind of start off with the the climax? Do you have any thoughts on that at all? Yeah, I mean, obviously there are these storytelling techniques. So what you have to do is you need to set up the story so that people understand, okay, what's going on? I'm about to tell a story about this time in my life or something like that, right? But what you want to do is, yeah, you, you do definitely need some sort of a turning point of the story where I thought this was going to happen, but then something else happens, right? So... A lot of times the way I do that is I incorporate like the myth true sandwich, right? So even in that authenticity story, you don't know what's going to happen, right? Oh, son's lying. Oh, he's going to lie and he's going to lie until like the moment when I tell the truth, people are going to be like, oh, what's going to happen now? Oh, shit. Like he, he told the client that. And then the, the actual 
response is actually unexpected, right? He gave us a $5,000 bonus. What? <laughs> like, do you understand what I mean? So that's kind of like the climax of the story, right? So, and another thing is uh, you always want to keep an element of mystery. So you, you raise a question. Like, oh, you know, I was in this uh, bathroom and I walked in and all of a sudden I heard this sound, right? And people are going to be like, what sound? Like, what? You know what I mean? And then if you say, oh, like, oh, it turned out to be um, some guy taking a shit or whatever it is, right? But then as soon as you do that, you have to raise another question because now you've answered that question. And then you have to, and then all of a sudden he's, he was like, who's there? <laughs> right? So now I, I'm raising another question. So people are going to be like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? So you always want to have kind of a, every time you answer a question, you want to raise a new question and so on and so on to keep them like interested on edge a bit. And, and I guess yeah. you're kind of bringing out the point there of, you know, when things are too predictable, people can answer that question. Like they tune yeah. out. Yeah. A bit. Is that right? Mm -hmm. I, that part, like, I guess the structure of the story and things like that, I don't really teach too much because I think there are plenty of people who teaches that. But one thing I noticed is that there's there's not a lot of people teaching, like where do we get the story from, or how, because a lot of people the problem is that you know when people first join Night Owl Nation they're like, son I don't have any stories, like my life's not that interesting right, so my job is to let you figure out what are the key moments in your life. Are, that are the stories that shaped you into who you are, right? And then once you know those things, turning it into a, a very entertaining story, like that storytelling technique, I feel like there's so many people that teaches that stuff. But none of those techniques matter if you don't know those stories, if you don't have those stories, right? So... And that's the reason why I purposely, like you said, I don't use fancy languages, Shakespearean languages, or I don't use any kind of special storytelling techniques because, like, I don't do the oh, once upon a time or, like, I don't do the whole thing like, oh, little, too, little did I know. Like, I don't use those phrases because I want people to know that you can sound like a 12-year-old. You can sound like, you can say ums, uhs, you can say like. You don't be, have to be a master communicator in order to tell good stories. Get that poetry out of here, bro. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you've been so you've been doing this for quite a few years. Um, I was just curious, what got you? What made you decide to kind of make your mission to focus on storytelling? Because there's so much that you have knowledge on personal branding. You know, it could be tr driving traffic. You know. Uh, growing an agency um, was it because you just genuinely enjoyed the idea of storytelling or was it like more of like a profitable idea or <laughs> so this is one, another one of the big lessons that I teach people because people come to me and say son what should I niche down on what what should I I don't I have so many passions what should I focus on right so this is what I tell them uh a lot of people are so focused on what they want to be known for, right? So a lot of I see a lot of designers and marketing people come to me and they say, 
son, I'm, I, I want to be a personal brand strategist or I'm, I'm trying to be a brand storyteller or I'm trying to be, um, I, I help soulful entrepreneurs find their purpose or so, something like that, right? And I always ask them, how many people come ask you for brand strategy? How many people come ask you for, oh, I want to be a soulful entrepreneur. <laughs> how, can you help me? Find? How many people ask for that, right? So if you look at my agency, a big part of what we do is we figure out their story and we put it in the about page and things like that. But all these big clients that we have, they didn't come to us asking for that. What they did was, son, I need a website. I'm a web So whenever I meet people, I say I'm a web designer. Okay, because that's what people ask. Because if I go to a networking party and I say, "Oh, I'm a personal brand strategist," they're gonna be like, "Oh, cool." But if I say, "Oh, I'm a web designer," they're gonna be like, "Oh, I need a website," or they they might be like, "I know somebody who needs a website." Do you understand what I mean? What you do actually is actually what you call yourself is actually not nearly as important as how you do it, right? So. We call ourselves a web design agency or digital agency, but how we do it is different than uh, how other web design companies do it, right? Now, fast forward, three years ago, I started putting out content and I'm teaching design, marketing, personal branding, all of these copywriting on all of these things. But people started DMing me and, and they're like, son, you're such a great storyteller. Can you teach me how to tell stories? And and Domestica reached out to me and said, son, can you create a course for us on storytelling? Now, until that moment, I never considered myself a storyteller. I never considered like what I do storytelling. But that's what people started asking from me. I Originally, my original niche was personal branding, uh, design, how to be a freelancer, like I thought that was going to be my niche because that's my background, right? But no, people, everybody started asking me for storytelling. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm a storyteller now. And I just thought, so, so the lesson here is it doesn't matter what you want to be known for. It doesn't matter what you think your skills are. What, it doesn't matter what you think your area of expertise is. None of those matters. What matters is what do people want from you? And the only way you can find that out is put out every kind of thing you're interested in out there, any kind of content you're interested in, and then let them tell you. Like one day you start talking about, let's say design, and it gets 10 times more views than all your other content. That means that's what people want from you. <laughs> if you start talking about AI and it gets a bunch of things that, you know, that bunch of more comments than other, other posts, that means that's what they want to hear from you. Yeah. And I, I like how that's kind of counterintuitive advice that I've heard, you know, when you're introducing yourself, I like how you say, you know, I'm, I build websites. It's, it's a language that they're used to hearing about. And uh, some people teach them, uh, some people out marketing mar marketers out there say like, you know, you have to have that statement. Like I help da da da, like without, da -da -da, you know, like that, that freaking headline. Uh, I, I like how you just like, simply say like i build websites and people understand that yeah i mean because i have a friend who's a copywriter but 99 percent of what he does has nothing to do like big brands hire him to come in 
and then he'll read their copy and he'll the real work he does is he figures out psycho psychologically what their customers want from them and then he'll give them advice like oh stop selling it like this package it like this it's going to sell more or something like that so he's a marketer he's he's he uses human psychology and he's you know he helps companies get more sales but it's hard to explain that and what most people think that is is copywriting <laughs> so they 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 call him a copywriter and he calls himself a copywriter but here's the thing most people that i know that are in branding strategy and or like like using psychology to do that kind of things they're like no but i'm much more than a copywriter son i don't want to call myself a copywriter and it's their ego that's saying i don't i don't i don't just want to be a web designer i want to be a brand strategist but it's just your ego you know but if people if you're going to get the most clients by saying i'm a web designer then that's what you should say and then make sure you include brand strategy into your websites so that you you're known for that and that's what happened with me like nobody comes to me calls me a web designer now but the reason is because i started out calling myself a web designer <laughs> and that that's another advice if if you're like a young entrepreneur starting out, don't worry about what you call yourself now. Because once you get big enough, 10 years later, you can call yourself whatever you want. But right now, if you try to do that, you're never going to get to that point. I love that. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a good way to wrap that up there. But yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate your time, son. Yeah, for sure. This was fun. <laughs>